before going into the episode, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode and uh, taking the time to sit down and just listen in on what we got going on here on the podcast today. Uh, a couple of things before we get going into the episode is uh, I want to do a couple ad reads for our sponsors, starting with the DOYC, the Department of Young Strength Coaches. This group is designed for young strength coaches wanting to go into the field of strength conditioning, whether that's CSCS prep, GA or internship opportunities, or even live discussions. They are a resource for young coaches to take advantage of. I'll put the link to the Discord in the description of this episode. Also, Team Builder. Team Builder is a software for performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides coaches with an elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Team Builder is also full of tools that coaches need, like multiple max training methods, 16 plus reports, evaluation testing, and goal setting to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. Please be sure to sit back, listen in, and enjoy this episode of the Conjugate Chats. Thank you. So please be sure to rate, like, subscribe, and even share this podcast with a fellow coach or a fellow in iron. I'm your host, Joe Mark Raspberry, current strength coach over at Dyer County High School. I have on today Caleb Lindsay, and he's over at Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and it's the owner of one, I believe it's called what, Hybrid Strength Performance? Yep, Hybrid Strength Performance. Awesome. So I'm going to let Caleb talk about himself, his journey in strength and conditioning, where he's from everything else in between what he's doing now and everything like that. So I'm uh, 29 years old. I'm married uh, to my wife, Kate. We've been married since 2017. Uh, we've got a almost 10 month old daughter, Anna, um, who has completely changed everything about, about my life, my passions and, and the drive behind what I'm doing now. Um, so I was an athlete going through my life. Um, as soon as I could walk, I was, throwing, kicking, hitting, doing whatever I could. Um, baseball was my passion. That's what I did through college. Um, 
And, you know, kind of like most of us, I think we, we have a lot of the talent to, to play at the high school level and to potentially get to the, the collegiate level. Um, physically is where I was lacking. I was uh, 6'2", 150. Uh, if I turned sideways, I was invisible. So I was pretty much like every kid we work with in our weight rooms now. Um, got sent a picture of the of the catcher in front of me at the college I was going to. And uh, 6'2", 230, massive forearms, looked like a grown man uh, compared to me. And they were just like, here's your competition, figure it out. Um, so like all of us, I went to uh, muscle farm and bodybuilding.com and all these other things and started doing the absolute worst things I could have been doing for myself as an athlete um, and eating anything in sight, man. I got up to, I got up to two thirty in nine months and um, I was lifting four hours a day. I was eating 7,000 calories a day. Um, I was, I, I put the weight on, but I was stiff. I was slow um not mobile at all and as a catcher it was a problem so fast forward you know get to college run some of that initial weight off um tore my Tommy John right in the beginning of my sophomore season or my sophomore fall um and I credit a lot of it to the way I trained and the way that I prepared my body or lack of preparing my body whether it was sleep nutrition how I was lifting how I was doing a throwing program all of it was wrong um, so luckily did not have to have surgery. I had a 50% tear and that was before they were really doing the repair surgery they're offering now. Um, before it was just, it's either torn or it's not. So did my own rehab through that, uh, came back throwing harder and finished my career, uh, strong. So that's what piqued my interest into getting into strength, um, learning and rehab, learning how to heal myself and what worked for me. Um, and really what drove me to go into this as a career and to finish with my master's in exercise science and to move into this in, in the sector I'm in now is helping the kids that I get to work with here not make the same mistakes that I did and trying to be proactive on the front end of these things rather than reactive on the back end of them. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what I, that's what I get to do at hybrid every day, man. And it's, it's awesome. I love it. Awesome, man. And I think a lot of strength coaches kind of fall in the same kind of journey or a little backstory of either we were a really really great athlete and we really loved the weight room or we were you know a pretty talented athlete but undersized or underdeveloped yep. at that point and i was yep. kind of the same way yeah i was uh off as a lineman and i walked in my freshman year in high school as a 160 pound you know office alignment so you know yep. that was that wasn't going to cut it um when i went to college i was about 510 190 and you know to play offensive line at, you know college at 190 is almost like non-existent yeah, at this point for sure. so um you know I, I think string coaches kind of follow the same kind of um path of either we're really talented and underdeveloped or we really just want love the weight room or all of the above yeah. for that matter yeah well and i would say from the performance side of it man i didn't even know what the performance side of the weight room was until i started studying in grad school and really following a lot of the coaches that i've learned from um before that it was bro splits and bodybuilding and that's what i knew and that's all i knew i knew nothing about sprinting cns adaptations all of this stuff that we focus on now i i knew nothing about it so when that world opened up to me i was like oh crap this is this is where i'm meant to be and i, I agree with that too because like i walked in college and got introduced to the first strength coach that had a cscs and everything like that man i didn't know that was yeah. even a career field that someone could go yeah. into 
And so, you know, seeing what he did every single day and, you know, at my college and I was like, that that's, that's what I want to do. You know, at, yeah. you know, I think some people try to fight it and I, I did for a little bit, but I think at you know, in our hearts, we, we know if we're going to be a strength coach or not. And, you know, that's, yeah. that's just the bottom line of it. Yeah. And I, my, my journey into it was a little bit late. I, um, I was supposed to be going into, um, clinical cardiac rehab, working at a hospital in their cardiac unit. Um, two weeks before I finished grad school, they were like, uh, that position we said we were going to have, we don't have, so you're gonna have to figure something else out and lucked into a spot here in town with a, with a, in a big box gym with a private company and, um, you know, fell in love with it once I started and haven't looked back. Awesome coach. Now the question that comes up in mind when I'm, I'm listening to you because you got your own facility, 35, what square feet, 3,500 square feet. Right, about about 3,200 right now. Yeah. Yeah. So why not go and to the high school realm, go be like a certified teacher, go to, you know, be a, be a, a classroom teacher, teach like PE or health or wellness instead of going to the private sector. Why did you choose the private sector over going to the high school? Well, and I'll say this, you know, I'm in Murfreesboro where Rutherford County is huge for sports, man. But a lot of the weight room stuff is handled by a football coach still or by the baseball coach. So, like, there's there's not the established we need a certified strength coach that's going to teach and coach where, you know, like the Mark Hoover's and those guys, like that's not, that's not a thing here as, as great as, as a County, as we are in sports, we win multiple state championships across multiple sports every year. And it's, it's just not something that's come here yet. Um, and I say yet, I hope it comes. I hope that I can be part of the the culture that brings that to change to where we focus on it more. Um, but it's, it's not really an option here. So it's, it's private sector. Um, or, you know, the football coach or one of the assistant coaches. Now we've, we've developed relationships with those guys to where we'll help and we'll do some consulting where they need help. And we're here to answer questions and be a resource. Um, but from a, from a time standpoint and from an availability in the market standpoint, private sector is really the only thing that is viable here, even though we're one of the biggest counties in the state, um, private sector is it's, it's in my opinion, here and most places, the way to go if you want a little more freedom and you want to be able to make more and provide for your family. Awesome, Coach. And I, I know that because yeah, we live in the same state, you know, yeah. training conditioning is kind of a little bit behind in Tennessee. It's real, it I is. think it's made a, a big push within probably the last five years. Uh, yeah. You know, just coaches and admin being aware of, like, the necessity of having – uh, a strength coach on staff, but like we're still behind, like compared to other oh, states, for sure. things like Texas and Florida, Alabama, oh, yes, all those yeah. places are way ahead right now. They're they're kind of yeah. ahead of the curve right now. But uh, I think Tennessee's a lot better off right now than what we were probably about two, three, five years ago. Because oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, I mean, uh, we got a lot of leadership, especially with the NHSSCA. Uh, there's a lot of leadership in the state of Tennessee with uh, Kylie Feldman and down at Father Ryan. Yeah. We got Justin Loudon of Easel. Uh, we got uh, Zach Flemings over at Goblins Bennett. I believe I pronounced that right, Zach. I'm sorry if yeah. you listen to this and I, I, I give that up. But, I mean, there's still a lot of leadership and there's still a lot of great coaches out there in the state of Tennessee that are really pushing for, you know, strength and conditioning at the high school level, man. 
So I think we'll get there. And like you said, it's not there yet. I think it yeah, will get point, there I think, eventually. I think a point, to, a point to show is that I'm pretty sure all three of that that you just named are private schools. At least two uh, of the three. Easel is... I know Father Ryan is. Doblin's been is not. That's a, that's so the only that's, public school. That's, to, me, to me, that's the difference. The, the private schools have the funding to pull a coach and have enough of a salary for them to make it worth their time. Whereas the public schools, we, they, we have a few contracts that we run with the public schools here that we will do some programming, we'll do some testing, we'll do some stuff like that. But we're not the ones in the weight room coaching it. We, I mean, there, there have been times with a few of the coaches in town that I do it with, we go have lunch. And then we go out in the parking lot and I'll walk them through the next month. And I'll be on the ground showing them what a dead bug is in the middle of a parking lot. Like that's where we're at. So the high school setting, man, they're, they, they don't see the value in someone being full-time and paying to match it. The, the salary that they're willing to offer and the, the payment structure isn't there. And I think that comes from a county perspective. I think that comes from the board of education. I think it comes from the, the athletic director for the county. And I think that's where it has to be initiated if it's ever going to have any traction. I agree, because when I was talking to Freddie's, uh, I mean, he's kind of that dual role. He, he's kind, he is a strength coach, and he also yeah. is the, kind of the admin of uh, over at Battlegrounds. And what he yeah. talked to me was about, you know, as an AD, you got to look at it like I got to take care of my sports first. So I need a head golf coach. I need a head football coach. I need a head soccer coach. You know, the strength coach is probably the last thing on their mind. And oh, I can, sure. And I can see it from the other side. Like, you want to talk about, like, the academic side? Like, we need biology teachers. We need math teachers. Especially oh, with, the sure. teachers, with, like, a teacher shortage. I mean, that's what that, – I think that's where admin minds are at at this point because like yeah they're yeah, worried about they're worried about who's going to teach biology next year who's going to teach geometry who's going to teach chemistry not who's going to run our weight room for you know the uh, the off exactly. season so exactly but i mean on the other side of that coin if we have established school system right that can everyone's i know this is perfect world talking to i mean if everyone's fulfilled and satisfied and they're happy where they're at and you know we're not we don't have a high turnover rate as school system. Maybe it would be time to have that conversation of well we could use a strength coach. And if you sure. have a little bit of success in your uh, athletic program too. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think in the meantime it's it's up to um, the coaches that you know me and you both follow that that put out good content. It's up to us as local coaches to to reach out and offer to help where we can. And we know the budgets are tight. And you know. I think that's some my way of of being able to do what I can to help right now. You know, we've got kids from every school in the county here that are in our program, but we also have a relationship with 80% of their coaches of, you know, if we can help you guys, if we can help you do with a, you know, a preseason conditioning program, if we can help you with with whatever running your weight room in season. You know, even if it's just coming in and doing baseline testing just to show you the the drop from from preseason to postseason. So I think that's where we're at right now. And I, I, like you said, I think there's a chance that we get there in the future. Um, and hopefully 10 years down the road, every school's got one. It would be great. But as for right now, I think that's where we can help is to try to add just little nuggets of value here and there. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about working with some of your high school kids at your facility and, you know, you got contracts out with some of the other local high schools around your area. Mm -hmm. So what does a normal day look like? What, let me backtrack a little bit. What's a normal week look like to you? Because 
that's kind of a lot to go <laughs> to go to this school program yeah. and then you got you know high school kids at your facility and you got to understand what they're doing inside school i mean yeah what's a, walk me through a normal week so um i program in month blocks especially for here at the gym that's for our adult groups and for our athlete groups um our athlete groups, it's it's a skeleton program, man. You know, the basics are there, but it goes in 50 different directions based on the kids' needs, whether they have an injury, whether they're recovering from something, if they've got a game the next day, things like that. So from a programming standpoint, the the meat and potatoes are there, and then the sides and the seasonings are what we add. Um, so a typical week for me, with our summer schedule right now, it's it's pretty nice. Um, I go 5 a.m. to 1.30 straight. Um, so – couple days a week that's a 5 a.m adult group the others it's personal training 6 a.m athlete group uh, we've got a 6 a.m adult group uh, I lift at 7 a.m uh, a couple days a week I go home and make breakfast for my daughter and take her to daycare um, back at the gym at eight for another adult group at nine I've got another adult group 10 a.m personal training 11 and 11 30 personal training athletes at 12 30 every day uh, so 12.30 to 1.30, we've got our kids. That way they have options. Summer's crazy. They've got 50 directions to go in. So we, even if they're only coming in three times at max a week, they've got five options to get here. So that we have found helps us the best. So right now in the summers, I'm running five to 1.30 straight. So that's my day. And that's that's a pretty typical week for me right now. Uh, one day a week, I try to do something for me, whether it's um, get out and go golf uh, in the afternoon, go watch uh, go watch one of our kids play. Um, and then just the typical, you know, yard work, errands, doctor's appointment stuff in the afternoon. So, man, that's that's pretty it. Pretty much five to one thirty straight right now. What about in the fall and the spring during the school year? Because I know so school in year, the private. Yeah, school year is uh, similar. The only thing that that changes our athletes obviously aren't coming at twelve thirty. They're at school. Um, so I'll do five to about noon. Um, and then I'll come back depending on if they're, if they're, if they're in the fall, we typically run that group from five to six. Um, and then we'll have an option for in season kids that are later. Um, but typically fall, we do that five to 6 PM spring, we move it to six to seven. So for baseball, baseball, softball people, if they don't have a game or if something gets canceled, they've got time to get there. So five to noonish and then six to seven, five to six, something like that in the afternoons. Awesome coach. And it's kind of rewarding to, train all these athletes and get to see their progress too man that that's pretty remarkable at a you know a private facility like that man it is it is i you know i i did some uh some interning in a pt clinic and that was my biggest qualm with it on day two was they're only cleared by entrance to be here for eight weeks twice a week and then i'm not not going to see them again unless they get hurt um that that's not okay with me as a people person a person that focuses on relationships and focuses on being a strong mentor to our kids that that's important to me and Laura, my assistant coach here is to be a positive reinforcement for our kids and for someone they can come to with problems. I've got kids. I've, I've been doing this for five years. I've got kids that are going to graduate next year. that are going to be seniors that I started with in seventh grade. And I've, I've seen these kids go from knock need little snots to going to proms and winning state championships and, you know, getting ready to start looking at colleges and helping with the recruiting process and there's there's nothing like it. Uh, I absolutely love the relationships that I've built with these kids. We go to the beach, and one of them stays at my house and watches my dog. Like that's that they're family, and and I know every gym says that. I know that every team talks about family. I, I truly believe that the kids that have been in our program eight months to a year or longer 
know us well enough and we know them and their families well enough that they are family. And at the drop of a hat, if some, if any of them need anything, they know that we're there. Um, that to me can't be replaced by getting to wear a, a nice t-shirt and have a big fancy weight room and, you know, and be on the other side trying to pick crumbs just to say that I'm somewhere and that I have a cool t-shirt on. That's, that's the stuff that's never appealed to me. The, the relationships I have with these kids and their parents and their families and their extended families, I golf with their grandparents. Like that's the, that's the best thing in the world to me getting to go and watch them play their games in the fall and in the spring, whenever I, you know, I I'm done at the gym and I get to go watch three games during the week just to go see them do what they love. They, they, they make me able to do what I love. They invest in me so that I can do what I love to provide for my family. And then at night I get to go watch them do what they love. And it, there's nothing better. That's remarkable coach. And that's what it's all about too, really. It's the relationships with your athletes and seeing them progress, not even as like an athlete, but just as a person too. Yeah. You know, you can get the little snot nosed kid that, you know, is mad the world and see, you know, four years that it's grown up to be a, a you know, a young man about to be a, yeah. you know, a, a working citizen in our society right now, man. And, you know, it's such a remarkable time to really influence some of these athletes, yeah. you know, during their high school years. Yeah, for sure. So talking more about the private facility life. Okay, what are some, and we talked about this before because yeah. I, I obviously have my two cents about making the jump to, you know, the private yeah. facility. But uh, what are some pros and cons that you experience every day in the private facility life? I, I think perspective matters because some of the pros could be viewed as cons and some of the cons could be viewed as pros. Um, so I set my own hours. That's a pro. A con of that is. The hours I said I have to be willing, somebody has to be willing to pay me to be there. So it's it's all about supply and demand. Uh, the pros, I think I don't have administration sitting over me, uh, keeping an eagle eye on what I'm doing. As long as I am confident in what we're doing, the person I'm with is confident in what we're doing and the outcomes are there, then that's all that matters. Um, I don't have to have someone, you know, sitting in an office across campus that doesn't know anything about what I'm doing, but all of a sudden I lose my job. It's 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 on it's all on me to make money for me and my family. That's a pro. It's also a con because there is no stability. And in those first couple of years, there the the stability is the fact that you are willing to be there. And nothing's guaranteed. You know, you you land a big client that's paying you a thousand dollars a month for their entire family to come in and you train them privately. One thing goes bad the next month, their water heater breaks. Guess what? You just lost a thousand dollars a month. Easily happens. It's happened to every one of us in the private sector. Anyone that listens to this is sitting there shaking their head right now. We've all had that big fish, or we've all had the clients that have been with us forever that all of a sudden something changes and we're we're dropped like a hat because money has to go to where it has to go. We're a commodity. We're not, we're not a requirement. We're, we're, we're a choice that people have to make to invest in their health or to invest in their performance. So we're on the back burner when it comes, some people make us a priority and some people will make changes and sacrifices in other places, but the vast majority look at us as a secondary, as a luxury. They're not going to look at us as a priority. So making yourself a priority as a business and as a coach 
to your clients and to your players and to your athletes, that's where you can push yourself forward to where they've got to be here. It's, it's not a, we like going there. It's we've got to be there. And I think that's the, the jump that a lot of people struggle to make because another pro is, is that again, that's on me. It's on my personality and my ability to find what motivates people and keep them motivated, keep them interested, keep things creative enough and, and new enough that they want to keep coming back. Also can be a con if, if you're more of a, a science and analytic mind, you're probably going to struggle to talk to the soccer mom of three that just wants to look better and feel better because she doesn't care about sarcoplasmic reticulum and she doesn't care about bar speed. She cares if her back hurts and if she looks good in a dress. Like that's, that's the, the disconnect and the hats that we have to change and wear one hour. Yeah. I could have a kid in here that wants to talk science like that because he's a science nerd. Like I am great. We'll do that. The next hour. I can't, I can't do that. And that's the the shift you have to be able to make between practitioner, person, coach, friend. Like that's that's the realm that you have to live in. And people that can't do that are going to really struggle in the private sector because I don't care how much you know. If you can't relay to someone that's in front of you why it's important, why they should do it, and then get them results with it, you're just going to be another another person that's really smart and doesn't have a lot of money. Absolutely, coach. And couple of things I want to kind of dive off from what you're talking about. One of them is that, you know, creating a sense of fun inside of your program, inside of your facility. Uh, you know, we talk about all the time on social media that, you know, sports should be fun and, you know, these athletes should enjoy coming to the weight room and to the facilities and everything like that to, you know, get better and, and enjoy being there. So what are some things yeah. that you do to make it more enjoyable in your facility? Um, so one of them, I actually stole it from a CrossFit gym that used to be beside the uh, original place that I started working. They always had spike ball set up outside and people were out there all the time playing tournaments, playing whatever. So I brought my setup here and we've used it as a warm up. and uh, we'll have kids get here 30 minutes, an hour early just to play spike ball and play against each other. And they love it. You know, we'll have kids that have never, never played it before, get taught to play it. And then all of a sudden they're the best in the gym. So that, you know, something like that, I, I think is super easy to do. Um, I think also just taking off the coach hat when you can and get on their level and talk to them about their interests and talk about what excites them. And don't just, of course, you're going to coach them. You're going to make sure they get their money's worth. You're going to put them through what they need to be put through. But you have to be able to get on their level and make it to where it doesn't seem like they're just just in here lifting. Because at the end of the day, if if and Ray Zingler says this, if at the end of the day, all they got out of my facility is a workout, I'm failing. So. Whether it's, you know, adding some chase games to our sprinting, whether it's doing some kind of competitions with our jump mat, whether it's, you know, measuring our if we're doing seated broad jumps, if it's measuring each jump so that our kids can be competitive with it. Um, little things like that that we can implement go a long way. Um, and, you know, in my facility right now, it used to be a bounce house place. Uh, and they've got a bunch of like strobe lights and LED lights and stuff that for some reason they left plugged in when they left. Um, about three months in, my high school kids figured out that they turned on. And so it kind of got implemented while I was on vacation and I, I veto it a lot just because it does get dark and we, we get crowded, but they like to have uh, 
like party light Fridays and turn the lights off, turn those things on. And, you know, sometimes we'll do it for a warm up. We'll do it, whatever. But, you know, just I, I think it it's a lot simpler than people try to make it. People try to think, oh, I've got to do, you know, all these things to make it fun and, you know, whatever. It's it's really just almost vibing with your kids and learning what motivates them, what they enjoy doing, what what they get joy out of and finding ways to to implement it into what you're doing. And I think it comes back to knowing your kids because what I do at my gym is going to be different than what Joe Atari does at his gym. It's going to be different than what Jerry can do at his gym. Like we can't all do the same things because our kids come from different backgrounds and from different parts of the country. They're motivated by different things. Absolutely. And you know, you hit the nail on the head of it just goes back to knowing your kids, man. Like if you don't know your kids, then you don't know what motivates them. You don't know what they like. So how are you going to make a place fun that you have zero knowledge of what, you know, they like and what their interests are and what they want to be accomplished inside your facility? And and another one I left out, music. It's powerful. It's, man, I, I may not agree. I may not like what they want to listen to, but, you know, it's not about me. I have the vessel for them to do what they want to do and express themselves and, and get better for their sport. So I'll give them within reason, you know, stuff gets wild, but within reason, I'll give them the phone and give them the Spotify and just say, you play what you want to, you know, our, our first facility, we shared space with somebody. So we had to keep the music turned down. Um, now we're in a, in a building of our own. And I told him, I was like, I got the loudest speaker I could find. If you want to blare it, blare it. So I think music is a powerful one too, that a lot of coaches, especially older coaches, don't really understand that connection between kids and how strong of a connection they have with music now. Absolutely. And uh, I think it's crucial that it's kind of plugged into your phone or your Bluetooth to your phone. Yeah. Because I got like an Apple Watch that I can control the volume. So if I need to turn it down, yeah. like, hey, this is what we need to do. Turn it back up yeah. and then let them go, you know. But have giving them a sense of autonomy, man, goes a long oh, way. For sure. And for sure. I mean, I've said this before, but like they're kids. Yeah. They're, they're, they're 14, 18 year old kids. Like, exactly. let them be, just let them be a kid. Let them, you know, Roam around and figure stuff out and see what they like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other side of things. So I, I really like that part of it, Caleb. Let's get to this part of it. So um, what skill sets do you think coaches need in order to be successful in the private sector? Not, you know, talking about head knowledge and exercise science yeah. and you know, CSCS talk and all that. What are some other skill sets that you think coaches need to be successful in the private sector? The the number one that I preach to all of our interns um, and anybody that I, that asks me about this, uh, Mike Boyle hits it on the head. You need to be a certified CNP, a certified nice person. If if you're pleasant to be around, you're ahead of the game. If you if people enjoy being around you, then that's a start. I I can take someone off the street that's polite and cordial and willing to listen before they're going to talk and actually cares about the person in front of them and is empathetic and compassionate and giving. If, if you can be those things first, I can teach you anything you want to know about strength conditioning. But if you're this jerk that is a walking textbook that thinks that every person needs to move like the robot in the textbook, I'm sorry you can go do that in a classroom and teach. 
you, you can't expect people to pay you money to spend time with you for you to help them get to where they want to be. It's not going to happen. So I, I think those are, I think honestly, just being, just being a quality person goes a long way. It definitely goes a long way. And, you know, it helps build relationships kind of rounding back to what we were talking about yeah, earlier. It just, sure. it, it helps, you know, kind of build those relationships because no one wants to be around jerk. No one does. Exactly. Exactly. Well, especially no, nobody wants to be around a jerk for free. So now you're asking people to pay money to be around a jerk and money that they have set the price as to what they feel like they're worth and what their time is worth when you wouldn't want to be around them for free. So why are you willing to pay them? That's in the private sector, especially, man, that's the, that's the hard part is if, if all you have is knowledge and you have no personality and you have no ability to talk to people and get on their level and understand where they're coming from, you're, you're not going to have a career in this. You're just not. Absolutely. Uh, what about some other skill sets like marketing? Um, you got market yourself, uh, social media presence, anything like that for uh, so, the private sector. So I think uh, the, the, the way that we've gone with it from our social media, which we lost three years worth of our social media page, my email got hacked and they deleted our account. So we just started our accounts over. So that kind of sucks. I lost a lot of, a lot of video of our kids over the years. So not happy about that. Um, but I think the easiest strategy I've seen, and I took it from Jerry is video your kids, tag them in it on the stories, make sure they repost it. That way their friends are seeing it. So it's not just a scripted post once a day of what I want you to see. It's look through our stories and see what happens throughout a day here. See what our training looks like. See what our environment looks like. See who's here. See what they're doing. You know, if you're working out at a Gold's Gym and you're benching 135 and you think that's so great, I've got some women in their 50s that are doing that in here that will make you really think, am I doing all I should be? Am I pushing myself hard enough? That's that's the kind of stuff that that we try to capture the candid moments of what our people are doing, what they're accomplishing, and just trying to showcase what our facility is and who we are. Um, posting, you know, we try to post at least one thing a day, whether it's a spotlight of one of our clients, whether it's a PR they hit, whether it's explaining a movement, whether it's uh, some kind of educational piece about nutrition or hydration or stuff, especially going into the summer where they're playing 47 games in three days. Um, stuff like that. So I, I think we're pretty vanilla when it comes to marketing. We don't have a massive marketing scheme and we don't, you know, have a giant following like some of these places do. We, we just showcase our kids and what they do. and We showcase our adults and, you know, what they're trying to accomplish. Um, and it's done really well for us. I think we're very genuine with our social media. So I feel like whatever you see on there, the messages that we preach on there and the personas that me and, and Laura have, that's what you're going to see when you come in the gym. We're not, we are what we are, and I, I feel like our social media is a good representation of our gym, our family, and who we try to be. And that's what it's about too. It's, it's about the people that you have inside that gym. You know, you oh, can have sure. the you can have the most beautiful weight room of all time, and you know, twenty some odd racks, and you know, turf yeah. straight down the middle. But I mean, if the people in there are not enjoying themselves they're not really invested into what you're doing and they and let me tell you all this like kids and most people can see through the crap right if yep. you're not genuine you know people can see through that 
kids yep. can see through that instantly oh yeah instantly like if you don't know what you're talking about if you're not confident about what you're doing inside your weight room if you're just preaching a message just to you know just you know hear yourself talk man i mean like kids can yep. see through that yeah and you know what you said about you know the, all the bells and whistles and the gorgeous weight rooms and all of that uh pete dupuy from cressy has talked about how they still have some of the same racks from when they first opened in the early 2000s he said nobody cares if we have the newest greatest rack with all the attachments they care if the training solid and if they enjoy being there and i think that's something that we tried to do with our facility my wife is a tax analyst so she's the money cruncher um what i've loved nothing more in this facility we expanded into than to call sornex and get my custom hybrid racks with my custom plates my custom turf inlaid platforms everything the way exactly the way i want it you're daggum right i would i would have loved to do it but at the end of the day i'm running a business i'm trying to provide for my family so i went with what i could afford and i paid cash for it and we have zero debt we are completely liquid in our facility with we were completely liquid day one and have never had anything other than our rent utilities to pay so that to me is more important than trying to explain to a potential client why our racks are so nice. They don't know who Sornex is. We do. They're not going to fanboy over the racks. We are. So if I'm only doing it for me, again, nothing in this building is for me. It's for the people that I want in the building. They allow me to do what I do. So if they want a piece of equipment that I don't necessarily think we need, I'll ponder it and I'll go over it for a while and I'll see if there's a way that I can make it work and spend the money to buy it. And it's worked out for us in the past. There have been a couple of pieces that we've added that people really like. And that's just more people that we're going to gain and keep for, for many years to come because we're willing to, to do what they want within reason. Oh yeah. I mean, you can't go out and just buy everything that, you know, a customer, or, you know, a potential client wanted to come in and just, you know, have inside the weight room, man. Oh, but for sure. But, you know, I've heard this quote from uh, teachers before, and it's like, students don't really care what they're learning. They care about how you made them feel inside the classroom. And it's kind of the same yeah. way with the weight room and what yeah. you're doing there in the private facility. Because, you know, we can, we can chop up the X's of those, man. We can sit yeah. there and talk about the shortening cycle and amortization and eccentrics and triphasia and conjugate training. But if, if it's not... If, you, if you're not delivering something that they personally want to enjoy and come back to, I mean, it's worthless. Exactly, especially in the private sector. I mean, public, public schools and colleges, you know, you've got coaches holding people accountable that they have to be there. Now, that's a problem in itself because they get in there, they don't care, they get hurt because they're lazy or they, they impede someone else from getting better. Here, like, they're here because they want to be here. And we've got it in our contract that, with our, and it's, I say contract, it's a waiver and our rules and standards. We don't hold anybody to a contract. I don't feel ethically, I, I can't hold someone to be here if they don't want to be here. Because I say in our contract that you're, you're investing your time and money to be in this, in this facility to work and to train. And if you're not willing to do that and you're a hindrance to other people trying to do so, you'll be asked to leave. I'll refund your money and you can go. So if I'm not going to hold someone to a contract, to be here for the next six months if they want to leave at day three, because then they're only going to be a problem for me and the people that actually want to be here. Yeah. And you said something pretty important too, 
of you know these are people's time and money that they're spending yes. to be there you know with you yes and you know for a high school kid that's playing you know, like football for example right they're there because either they love the sport and they want to continue playing that sport but they're still mandated to be at practice to be at yep. the weight room sessions you know everything else in between you know if they come to you they're spending their money they're spending either oh, yeah. their par- their parents' money, their guardian, their grandmother's, whoever's money, and time to be with you. That's totally a different we've, ball game. We we've got several kids that pay for their own training. They work, or you know, I've I've got one that he at fourteen years old, him and a couple of buddies started a lawn care company, and he had to ride around with the other guy until he turned sixteen. They've got two covered trailers and cover hundreds of yards in town. He'll text me and say, hey, I had too many yards to get in at the normal time. Can you send me what to do and I'll do it at home? Kid's been out cutting yards for eight hours in the sun. Gets home and all he wants to do is is know what I want him to do for training to get better. Like, that, that speaks volumes to the work ethic that kids have. And this whole narrative that, that kids are lazy and kids these days, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's bull crap. If you find what motivates a kid, they will show you how how strong they actually are and what they're willing to work for. So yeah, every kid we have in the door has left a practice, has left a you know a lesson, has left school all day. You know they they've all made the extra effort to show up. So the last thing I'm going to do is play the me show when they're the ones putting in that much extra effort to show up to give me an avenue to do what I love. And to provide for my family. Absolutely. And you got to admire the kids that want to go out. And I mean, that's a pretty extensive job to sit there at what, yeah. 16, 16 yeah. years old in the middle of summer, you know, hauling, you know, uh, mowers and stuff like that just to cut grass yep. all day, man. Like, and the last thing, you know, on his mind, he's like, man, I got to get training in. You know, yeah. that's, you know, Speaking of me personally, that would be the last thing I sit there, be, you know, thinking about. It's like, man, I, I'm gonna go home, go to bed, get a good meal, and go, you know, go sleep, and just repeat it the next day. But well, I mean, it's just, it's just about educating them on the value of of that being a part of their life. And it's, you know, if they've never done it before, they start to see the difference, and they don't want to lose the difference. You know, we had some kids that, you know got pretty late into the postseason, and they were playing almost every day, so they could they weren't able to come in and train. And I remember one of them, he, he, over the course of the week of the playoffs, he had like eight balls off the wall and none of them went out. He texted me, he was like, God, I know if I'd have been in the weight room at least four times in the past two weeks, three of those would have been out. Like that's the stuff that they, they finally see the value in it and they understand the importance of it and they want it to be a part of their lives. And again, you get to admire that man, just because, oh, for sure. you know, because if, a 16, 17, 15-year-old can realize the importance of that. I mean, that sets a pretty good foundation for not just their sport, but understanding, like, a level of fitness for the rest of their lives, too. Yeah, we, we've got kids that have graduated out and, you know, had a chance to go play at college or didn't and have texted me, you know, within three months. They're like, hey, I'm at UT, and, you know, all I'm doing is I'm being a frat kid and going to class. Is like, can you write me a program? I really need to get back in the gym. Like that's somebody that's going to be in the gym for the rest of their life. That it's, it's a long-term investment in health. It's, it started out as getting better at basketball. 
And then it transferred into competing with myself. And then it turned into for my health. You know, if, if just one kid in our facility is able to dodge a chronic illness in their later years of life because they established fitness as part of their life, then that's huge. Like a lot of our adults, the issues they deal with, if they had done it at their age and had continued to do it until the age they are now, they probably wouldn't have a lot of the issues they have. And I think our adults see that and want their kids to be a part of it. So we do have a lot of parents that bring their kids in to train with us and vice versa. We'll have, I mean, we've got some families with five or six people for family in multiple, whether it's in our, our boot camps, whether it's in our adult groups, personals, or with our athlete groups, because they see the, the long-term investment in their health being, being a big part of it too. And I said this before on the podcast, and I'll say it again. And that's, that's, I was talking to my dad about this because, you know, he got into fitness right around the same time that I was playing sports at the high school level. Yeah. Um, and he was like, man, I, I really need to get back. He, he's really healthy now, and, you know, he's, you know, taking care of his body later on in life. And yeah. he was telling me about some of the struggles that, you know, he's experiencing, at, you know, at 45, 50-year-old man, experiencing, you know, weightlifting you know, doing low levels of, um, you know, conditioning, cardio, yeah. however you, you know, you want to use that terminology, but, um, you know, he's doing that later on live. And I was telling him, yeah. it's like, you're going to need fitness at any point of your life. At some point oh, yeah. in your life, you're going to need fitness. It doesn't matter if you're a 15 year old playing football. It does not matter if you're a 60 year old with type two diabetes, like you're yeah. going to need fitness at some given point in your life. It's just a yeah. matter of time of when do you want to do it? Do you want to do it now when you're healthy and you get the energy to do it? Or do you want to do it when you're 60 and your blood sugar levels are through the roof? Yep, exactly. It, it, do you want to invest in yourself now or do you want to pay the premiums later? That's, that, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Absolutely. Uh, let's kind of wrap things up here. I love this segment and I, I continue to say it because I, I really do like it. Uh, it's called Conjugate Coke Spotlight. So, is there anyone out there that you want to shout out that's made a difference in strength conditioning? So I've mentioned a couple of them so far. Um, Ray Zingler. Um, I know most people that listen to your show probably probably know Ray. Uh, he owns Zingler Strength in, in Georgia. Um, Ray's ability to meet his kids on their level and to inspire his kids and the consistent messaging and the authenticity that that's meant a lot to me early in my career to not chase the, you know, the Instagram fame and the reels and, you know, what everybody tries to do. They want it. They want to get likes. Um, Ray's been a big help. Um, some of it's just educational wise. Um, Danny Foley um, has been huge for me. Danny will pick up the phone and, you know, have an hour long conversation with me about a kid I'm having and some problems that we're having with, with something to do with, with their body. Um, Andy McCloy from BCI and Huntsville was huge for me early on when it came to business structure and mindset when it came to business. Uh, Pete Dupuy from Cressy, uh, who is their, one of their co-owners and runs the business side of things. He's huge when it comes to business help. Um, Eric Cressy, when it comes to, to performance related stuff. Um, those are just some of the biggest fish, but man, there's so many. I think the, I think that's an important point to make that the more people you can learn from, the better. So you don't pigeonhole yourself into the ideologies of one or two people, because 
you know, I can, I can segue with that. Me and you doing the, the conditioning cohort and Tim and Missy, you know, have a very strong opinion about certain aspects of strength conditioning and certain aspects of fitness. And I think it's healthy to live in the middle. I, I think it's healthy to, you know, pursue the conditioning and to pursue heart health and to pursue health. But if you enjoy putting heavy weight on your back and seeing if you can pick it up, as long as you're not hurting yourself, do it. Um, you know, I think there's a balance that, that we can find the same way we try to find a balance in our personal, our personal training of ourselves. It also has to be done as a coach and in business, because if I only learn from one strength coach and one business mentor, I'm just going to do what they do. I'm not going to critically think for myself and take the little pieces here and there from everyone that's worked for me in the past and mold it into me as a business owner and a coach. I'm just going to be a shell of other people rather than who I am. Yeah, so absolutely. I, think that, I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. And I've always heard it from, I can't remember who said this, but if I'm the smartest person in my friend group, then I need to get a different friend group. You know, if you're yeah. the smartest person inside of your uh, you know, your, I guess, coaching circle, then you yeah. got to either expand your coaching circle or you got to find a new coaching circle because like, yeah, you know, there's so much information out there and, you know, uh, so many people, you know, to learn from, but the people yeah. that are really going to challenge your thinking, your philosophies and your ideologies and your methodologies are the people that really don't, you know, agree exactly to what you're, you know, used to exactly. what you, what yeah. you think. Yeah. So I, I, that's a, such a great point there, Caleb. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I, I think the more you can hear ideologies you may not exactly agree with, the better, because it challenges you to either critically think about including it in what you do or coming up with the reasons as to why you're not, rather than just saying, oh, I'm not back squatting. You know, Danny blew up the internet last week saying why he wasn't going to back squat any of his athletes anymore. It was a contextualized thought that made sense across multiple videos and had anecdotal evidence as to why he was going to do something else. I'm okay with that. He, he thought through the process of why it didn't make sense for him and his situation and his athletes. So be it. At least he took the time to critically think about it rather than just retweet something because somebody that has a lot of followers said it. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I just sit there and think because like, you know, if I, if I'm going to disagree with something, I want to know why, you know, exactly. I want to, I want to sit there and think about it a little bit. You know, I just don't want to see a tweet. It's like, okay, cool. And then that's what I'm going to do in my program. I want to sit there and think about it for a little bit, you know, and you know, it's one thing to disagree and you know whatnot because i can disagree with someone and say okay i don't i, I don't agree what you're doing but i respect it right yeah i, res yeah, I respect I, I what think, you're doing well i think that's the key word is respect I, I think gosh to go philosophical i think that's what's wrong with our world is that people automatically you think you have to agree with everything they say and if you don't then you're just you're the antichrist right you know and especially on in strength and conditioning. I mean, you see, we we follow each other on Twitter. We've talked before. You see how crazy it can get with just simple statements, general statements getting blown up into, well, well, do you think you should never do that? Well, I didn't say that. I just said, in this case, I'm not doing it. So I, I think having the mutual respect of asking the follow, good follow-up questions of, hey, you know, can you talk me through why, how you got to that? 
point to where you're not going to do something like that's where I can learn rather than say, Oh, that's so stupid. That's, that's the difference. And it widens your knowledge too, because not only that you understand why you're not doing it, but you also understand why that person is. And there's a lot of yeah. logistics that go behind decision-making too of, you know, if they're doing a certain movement here or, you know, yeah. if they got limited space, like those are logistics that are just so individualized between coaches. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think um, Pat Basil has taught a lot of people that he'll, he'll throw up a, a block that they're doing in their weight room. And he's like, does this make sense for any of you? No, but I have seven foot ceilings and this is what I'm doing. Like stuff like that. Just he'll, he'll throw up the most random thing. And he's like, because it worked for my weight room. And if you only saw the program, you would think, God, that's the stupidest thing ever. But when you actually get some context and you actually take the time to think and listen rather than just react, you actually find out that it's probably the smartest way to do it. And he probably took the time to think through it. Oh, absolutely. And I think we have a lot more similar that we do have differences in the strength world. You know, I think a lot of the online, the you know, back and forth banner would be subsided and probably much killed if we just sat down and you know, had a beer together, drank coffee together, yeah, and, you know, exactly. just had a normal conversation. So, well, I think it's it's just meeting each other outside of that realm and showing up with mutual respect. And I mean, it's it's very easy to misinterpretate uh, a tweet because you can't. Oh God, there's you can't, no context. Yeah, there's no context. You can't read facial no. features. You can't. Yeah, it's social media is fake, anyways. So exactly, exactly. Well, thank you, Caleb, for being on the conjugate chats and going down <laughs> that little uh, side rant there about online yeah. stuff, man. But um, it's great to have you on. Um, I was thrilled about this and um, just being able to connect with your brother. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. And that's another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Please follow our social media platforms at Conjugate Chat Podcast on Twitter and TikTok. Also follow Caleb on his social medias as well. In the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today. And before we end this episode here, I wanted to bring the light to something. Um, Most people on here are either strength coaches or aspiring strength coaches. Um, For those that are aspiring strength coaches out there, um, I set up a Gumroad account, a store even, to provide value back into the field of strength conditioning. Starting with, um, I have study guides on there uh, for anyone that's not pass the CSCS or is going to take the CSCS. Um, these are study guys that I've developed over the last three years that I've used in my attempts to pass the CSCS and I wanted to bring that value here to our podcast. So if you will go to the link in the description of this episode, you'll see a link to my Gumroad in which you can purchase or just download for free Um, The study guides for CSCS, a couple of my guides for 
in uh, in season training and also um, a couple of our products in there as well. Again, thank you for listening in on the Conjuring Chats and thank you for your continuous support.